At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. It is the Lombardi Line presented by MGM. Dave Ross here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Of course, Michael Lombardi joins us from New Jersey on this Wednesday. Michael, great to see you once again. Of course, we're going to have Steve Mackinan join us in this hour coming up. He always has great numbers here for our recent viewers and listeners. And next hour, Michael, I know you can't wait to talk UFC 272. We're going to have Lou Finacaro join us as well in the next nice. hour. We cannot wait. It actually is a very good card. Uh, this weekend here in Las Vegas, so we'll get some numbers on that side. But you know, I always like to where talk. Do they, where do they do the U.S.? Where do they do that in Vegas? Okay, well, they've, uh, David? They, they've got a couple places here. They've got Apex, which is the smaller uh, ring and, and octagon, if you will, and then they have some of the. You, know, you could either do them at T-Mobile Arena, which is the majority of them, which has got the bigger octagon. And Michael, seriously, when we break down these fights, bless you, me. it does Excuse make me. a difference. It absolutely makes a difference which venue, to your point that they fight in because at T-Mobile, the octagon is so much bigger than it is at Apex. So if you want that boxer, right, you want the bigger cage. And if you're trying to get that wrestler, you want the smaller cage to try to close that that proximity. So it is always fascinating which arena they decide to fight these fights in and how those styles make fights uh, and actually, you know, have more or less proximity to your opponent. So we'll get into all that with Lou Finacaro. As well, but you know I got to pick your brain about the NFL, and we did see some news in the last 24 hours, and that was out of Arizona. We've talked a lot about Kyler Murray and his drama and scrubbing the team off IG, the ransom letter that came out from his agent to the team. You know, I've always thought when you have Cliff Kingsbury and you have Kyler Murray, these are two guys joined at the hip, right? That Cliff Kingsbury said famously, hey, if I was ever a head coach and I had the number one pick, I would draft Kyler Murray if he was there. He becomes a head coach. He gets the number one pick. He does draft Kyler Murray. Steve Kime is the GM. Both he and Kingsbury have gotten extensions through the 2027 season. So I guess the short question is, does this then end the idea that there would be a disassociation between Kyler Murray and Steve Kime and, and, and Cliff Kingsbury, are these three going to be joined at the hip, at least for the foreseeable future? Well, I, I think they'd like to be. I know Cliff's comments yesterday at the Combine, uh, where every coach was getting interviewed, certainly defended uh, his quarterback, and he said, I keep the business side out of it. But uh, at one point, and I don't know if this is actually the same, they, they shared the same agent at one point, mm-hmm. which is interesting because, you know, the agent's negotiating a new deal with Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals. Meanwhile, you know, he's also won a new deal for Murray. So, you know, I don't know if that happened. I think maybe if Cliff changed agents or if he stayed with the same guy. But, look, I, I think the, the reality of the National Football League is if you think you have a good coach, and your coach has proven to be successful, take you to playoffs, it's a lot easier to build around them than it is to tear down and try to start over and try to find the next Sean McVay because those things are hard to find. So I think it's probably the right move for the Cardinals. You, you know, everybody complains about Cliff Kingsbury and the fall at the end of the year. 
to, to a degree, there's some truth to that. But I think ultimately they've got to improve their talent base. There's no doubt. And that, that's on Steve Kime. And Steve Kime is very fortunate. I mean, he's been able to endure some losing seasons. But he's best friends with the owner. That always helps. And, uh, and I think that, that's one of the reasons why. And they've got to do a better job of being completely a, a more complete team, not an older team. So it's good to have stability in your front office, good to have stability at the head coaching. Now they'll obviously get stability at quarterback. I mean, because at the end of the day, where's Murray going? Where is he going? Yeah, it's a great question. And again, when I look at the odds here in the NFC West next year, Michael, uh, the Cardinals right now are the third choice, right? The, the, the CLC Hawks have the longest odds at plus 550. Arizona comes in next at plus 350. Extreme long shots, obviously 25 to 1 right now uh, to win the Super Bowl next year. And, Michael, this is a team that, that we know it, it, with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, they get off to great starts and then they fade. That's just what they've done here so far in their short history together. When you mentioned the roster has to get better, Kyler Murray also has to get better. I mean, obviously, it just always feels like we have that quarterback-head coach relationship, and whether or not you're going to back these teams for futures is whether or not you really believe in those two, right? Quarterback, head coach. Are they on the same page, or is there something that both of them need to improve in order to stop these second-half swoons? Well, you know, I mean, Cliff gets the, the beating for the second-half swoons uh, uh, because of Texas Tech and their no defense and all that. But, I mean, it's been two years in a row that Murray, once he gets hurt, once he becomes injured and he has to play a big a game a li- in a little man's body in a big game, it wears on him. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's something that we never talk about. You know, we never talk about the wear and tear or what happens to him. And I think it happened when you go back and watch the game against the 49ers. The 49ers were playing with Trey Lance in Arizona. And 49ers had every opportunity to win that game. Trey Lance wasn't ready really to play, but Murray wasn't very good in that game. I mean, he makes a a great throw to Kirk, I think, over in the corner of the end zone. But he wasn't very good. And I I kept saying to myself, he looks like his shoulders hurt. Mm -hmm. He looks like he's having shoulder problems. And... You know, and I think once he once he gets injured, if I'm Steve Kime and I know that once he gets injured, it, it affects our team. So what do I have to do? I've got to rebuild this offensive line. I've got to try to keep him as as healthy as I possibly can. And I've got to improve on Beecham at right tackle. I've got to improve on Garcia at center. I've got to improve on DJ Humphreys at left tackle. I mean, they've got to improve their whole line. They've got some significant free agents here, Dave. I mean, they've got some work to do. You know, they don't have a backup quarterback. I thought James Conner could have been one of the best signings that Kime had yes. last year. I know that J.J. Watt got all the, the love and the glory, but Conner was really good until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, when you look at the Cardinal team early in the season to late in the season, Cliff takes all the heat, but the injuries really, I thought, particularly on defense, when they weren't the same team defensively, and oh, by the way, they've got to re-sign Chandler Jones, had a huge deal. Yeah, it is interesting because you're right, and and everybody's got to deal with injuries. You know this better than than most, so it really does test the depth of your roster. I want to stay in that division, and you mentioned injuries, and the Niners right now are the second choice to win that division behind the Rams. They're they're plus $2 right now, okay? And we just saw that Jimmy G is going to go under the knife, and he's not going to be available until summer, until around June, I believe, is the timetable. As a GM, Michael, as as a front office executive, if you're trying to move Jimmy Garoppolo 
And I wonder if they now can't get the same value for Jimmy G before this announcement was made yesterday. How does that change the equation for future backers of the Niners and or what they actually, what Kyle Shanahan uh, and John Lynch might try to do there with Jimmy G? Well, I think ultimately what you do, I think Jimmy G has a no trade clause in his contract. So he's going to get a, he needs approval. It may have ended though last year. I'm not sure it may, but let's just say he doesn't have a, he needs approval. Then basically what you do is you, once you feel like you've made a deal and, and the deal is always contingent upon you going able to, we'll give you permission to give the guy a physical. Mm-hmm. and we'll send you all his medicals. And once you look that over, then you bring him in. He's not going to pass the physical when you make the trade. You know this, right? So he's not going to pass. The only way a trade is completed is when the player passes the physical. That's a league rule. That's not club to club rule. So he's got to pass the physical. So what the club will do, once we negotiate a deal, when what, what really Lynch should be on the phone doing, look, look, we'll let you look at all the medical. Once we agree on price, then you look at the medical. We're not lowering our price because you think you're going to get a discount. That's not going to happen. We'll hold on to them. I mean, we'll take them all the way in the summer and we'll put them in the preseason games. You can see them healthy then. So let's do a deal. And then once we agree on a compensation, then we'll turn around and let you look at them and you can give them, you know, from soup to nuts on the physical. Ah, it is fascinating the way that equation works. And again, very quickly, you know the fan base. Some of them say it's time to play Trey Lance. And it, it's, yep. just, it's just got to be, right? For whatever reason, I don't know why that is, but now we got to play Trey. Well, they gave up so much. I mean, right. they gave up so much. I mean, they gave up, they gave up so much. And there's, this, there's, there's two elements running parallel here, Dave. You've got the, the Lance had a great summer, even though we know that's not true. That's a, that's a narrative <laughs> that's coming from somewhere. I don't know where it comes from, whether it's the mainstream media or whether it's the 49er you know, media or this is what they want. And then there's the other narrative, which he's not ready to really to play. The only way we're going to know, the only way we're going to know is to put him out there. Right. you got to play him eventually to see what you have. Again, if you're handicapping the Niners here at $2 here to win the NFC West next year, do you think that they're going to, that John Lynch is going to go, all right, let's just sign Jimmy G to a one-year deal coming off the shoulder surgery. If we don't get the, 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 the possible deal that we want, We'll just go run this back one more time. And Trey Lance, you got to become the Aaron Rodgers to the Brett Favre and wait one more year. Is that a possibility? I'd call his bluff. I mean, I, I would think John Lynch would be like KGB licking the cookie and knowing he doesn't have a good hand. I mean, <laughs> I'd call his bluff because he can't bring Garoppolo back in the locker room. Garoppolo takes the locker room over. And it doesn't allow Lance to grow and become a leader. So you know that as another team. If you're just observing and watching the league, you know that. He's bluffing. He got an advertisement on the, on the parkway that basically said he's not going to trade him unless he gets the right deal. That was a great advertisement right before the combine. So mm. when you landed in Indianapolis, you saw that on a billboard. Great. Didn't have to pay for it. But the reality of it is he is going to trade him. Because he, the only way he can really give Lance a chance, he's got to remove Garoppolo's because Garoppolo's so well-liked in that building. Right. And the, again, and the, they need Garoppolo's money. Here's the other factor. They need Garoppolo's money to give it to Debo Samuel. They need Garoppolo's money to pay some of their other players. Okay. So they're going to have to move that money around. And part of that's going to come uh, in that Jimmy G trade very quickly. Michael, if you're in that front office with John Lynch and you're getting co- phone calls on the other side for Jimmy G, what is the going rate? Like, what is it for you that says, this is where we start the conversation? I would think they would probably start it at a third that could move based on how many games he starts. It's not going to be one pick, you're on your own. It's going to be conditional. 
it's going to be conditional based on how he plays. Because you're giving away a starting quarterback, whatever you think of him. Amal, I know whatever you think of him. But you're giving away a starting quarterback, and if he goes in and leads the team that took a team to a Super Bowl, although he didn't take them, but he was there at the Super Bowl, then you've got to you've got to protect yourself on the backside. All right, Michael. When we come back, we have some more quarterback talk I want to get to, and what's really going on in Green Bay. Plus, we're going to talk about the Sixers and the Knicks on tap of the NBA. Come on back; it's the Lombardi Line right here on Veasan, the Sports Betting Time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 800 522 4,700. Dave Ross back alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. Again, Steve Mackinnon going to join us here uh, later on this hour. Lou Finnecarrow joining us next hour as we will break down UFC 272 from T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas this weekend. But, Michael, you know, it wouldn't be complete today as we talk about quarterbacks in the NFL and the soap opera that is Aaron Rodgers. Now, what really piqued my attention yesterday, and I couldn't wait to ask you about it today, is the GM, Brian Gutekunst, came out and said publicly, he's not getting phone calls. The phones are not ringing. The, the lights are not lighting up on the keyboard for the Packers and potential suitors of one Aaron Rodgers. Now, that I don't know if that is a cease and desist order to the rest of the league that, hey, 12 is our guy. He's not going anywhere, so you can back off. Or is there something more at play here? Because it seems... Interesting that a GM would come out and say, I'm not getting phone calls. Does that mean he actually wants phone calls? Or do you think he's, he's being honest here and nobody's inquiring about Aaron because they don't think he's ever going to trade him? I think he knows no one's, no one's going to – he's not going to trade him. You know, I don't think he wants to say definitively that he's not trading him because you never want to back yourself in a corner. Uh, but I think he basically made everybody aware. And I think this talking to people in the league, they don't think he's going to get traded. You know, they don't, they, A, they don't know if he's going to play. B, they don't think. Everybody thinks he's going back to Green Bay, and why not? Mm. I mean, at this point in his career, you know, they've hired a coach that he loves. They're, going, they're, they're including him in the decision-making. If you want to play, this is the best place. If you want to win a title, this is the best place. You really want to go learn another system and then what's the – they have no obligation to trade them. They have no obligation to trade them. They didn't make that deal. We think they did because that's what the agents wanted us to believe through the media. Mm-hmm. But they don't, it's not in his contract that he can control where he goes. The Packers have to say, this is what we're going to do. And, and just the feeling you get from what he said yesterday and what they, their actions have been is they're going all in. They're moving their chips to the center of the table, and they're going to try to win it back. That means they've been 13-3 and three the last two years. And they fell flat on their face come playoff times, even though they have the greatest coach in the history of the NFL in Matt LaFleur, according to some people around the league. You know, I mean, let's be clear. 
I mean, he's the best coach by far. Should have won coach of the year, even though he had the worst special teams. I guess he doesn't coach those, but that's beside the point. You know, uh, and so, like, seriously, like, I think he's just sitting there. And and why not? I mean, Mark Murphy, the president of the team, the guy who runs everything, Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't want it on his resume that he's going to trade Aaron Rodgers. Trust me, it's his resume. He knows it. He's trying to get himself in the Hall of Fame. He wants to have that. And they want that Super Bowl to validate their career for the Hall of Fame. 14 to 1. We, we really underestimate, Dave, yeah. as fans, we underestimate the motivation of some of these teams to put themselves in position to get that gold jacket. I think you're right. When you start looking at legacies, and the, the best way to get there if you're Mark Murphy, if you're LaFleur, is to keep Aaron Rodgers, who is definitely destined for Canton, Ohio, one day. 14 to 1 to win the Super Bowl next year. I did see a small uh, move with the Packers now, minus 145 to repeat as North champions. Look, I hopped on their over-under total a year ago once we figured out that Aaron was coming back to Green Bay. I mean, Michael, I look at the rest of this division, and if his only options, if Gutekunst is saying what, it, what we just discussed and that he's not going to be moved, I don't know why we're not banging the drum on the Packers to win this division other than Aaron retires. That's where you could really right, get trapped it. if you take this future bet, right? I, I think that number's set in case he retires. I think if I think as soon as he announces he's coming back, they probably go right with Kansas City, right with the Rams, maybe even better than the Rams in their odds. Mm. Now they've got a lot of free agents and they've got work to do. But remember, they 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 had injuries too. You know, Bakari didn't play all year. They need him back at left tackle. Alexander missed a great portion of the season. They've got a bunch of free agents that they got to deal with. They're dealing with their cap. Now, once he says he's coming back, you know, here's what I think is really important. I think this is what the Packers are counting on. Once he says he's coming back, they then can go to him. And if he wants to get the things done that he needs to get done, okay, like if he wants to make the team better, then they can easily go to him and say, look, okay, you're due to make, you're due to make $26 million and change, whatever the number is. And mm-hmm. I think it is like $26 million. He's got $26 million of base salary, okay? And, and he's got, you know, he's got, I think, probably other bonuses that go up to a half a million. So ultimately what happens is you say to him, okay, let's, lower, let's go in there. We'll give you We're going to lower your cap number. Right now his cap number is at $46 million. Okay. That's significant. He's at $46 million. And so you lower his cap number. You go out more years knowing that you're going to just – basically you're, you're going to be in cap hell in three years from now, but who cares? You want to win a title. Right. And now that lowers your cap number tremendously. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, the only thing that really screws me is because I do want to play that now here as we sit in March, what, 2nd, and go, well, that seems like the smartest play to make because I look at the rest of the division. They're just not ready to win yet. It doesn't feel like the Bears and the Lions and the Vikings, who knows what's going to be, become of those new front offices there. They feel so light years behind the Packers that as long as Rodgers comes back, minus 145 is a steal right now to win that division. Right. But, but again, that's, no the X, that's the X factor, right, is that he, he pulls right. this, this Brady surprise and all of a sudden says, I'm walking out of here. Yeah, which I don't think he is going to. I mean, how do you MVP just walk away from the game? 
He's too good. I mean, he's playing too well. Look, last year, no, it really wasn't talked about, but last year in 021, he converted $14 million of his salary into signing bonus, which then lowered the cap for the Packers. He helped them last year. Mm. Now, he gave them the voided year when he turns 40, which is fine. They didn't really care. They knew they had him for two more years. It was a good deal. So I, I think there's no doubt that, you know, he's going to be – to me, my whole sense of this is he, he's going to play – He's either going to play for them or he's not going to play. That's my sense. And I think their challenge is how do we get, how do we get Devontae Adams on the team? Right. How do we make that happen? You know, do we have to cut Zadarius Smith? I mean, that picks up a huge chunk of money there. You know, there's $12 million there. Preston Smith, you know, you pick up more money with him. So there's a lot of ways to move this thing around. And the one thing we know with Green Bay, they got cash. Yeah, they have. A, when you have cash available, you can take all these paragraph fives and turn them into signing bonus, which lowers cap. Now you you hurt yourself in future years, but do you really care? No, you're trying. I mean, to, this is it's when you're going all in, you don't care. No, absolutely not. That's what the Buccaneers did uh, years one and two with Brady. It worked out to a Super Bowl the first year. Speaking of, when you mentioned Aaron says, "Hey, I'm going to play here. I'm not going to play at all." Bruce Arians down there in Tampa yesterday said something that caught my eye as well, Michael, and he basically said, "Hey." When Tom wants to come back, open arms, roster spot open. But he also made the point, Michael, that we're not dealing 12. Like, there, there's no other scenario where he's going to Miami. We've heard those, those rumors floated. Yeah. Possible other play. Bruce Arians kind of drew that line in the sand, didn't he? That if he comes back, yeah. he's coming back here and nowhere else. Yeah, because people don't understand the rules. They make up these they, – they, they, they start these conversations. They don't understand the rules. Right. When you retire, you go on the reserve retire. You send a letter to the league office, and you say, I am going to retire. The, the team puts you on their reserve retired list, and you sit there, and they own your rights. So why would they just act, oh, we're going to let Tom go play in Miami? I mean, at some point, people will figure out the NFL is not the NBA. Right. The players don't dictate where they go. Like, this is not. And, and the media hasn't caught on to it. We keep talking like it's going to happen. You know, I thought fascinating about what Arian said yesterday was his love of Blaine Gabbard, who's a free agent. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he thinks he's got it. I mean, I could see them going all in on Blaine Gabbard. Trash the backup. They got a lot of free agents, Dave. They got to sign guys. I mean, they've got the tight ends. They got two tight ends that are that are Howard and Gronk. You know, they've got the offensive line that's a mess right now because all their interior players are not currently on the team because Marpet's retirement. So they, they've got a lot of work to do. They are right now in the, in the South, plus 130 to repeat as divisional champs. Okay, we talked a little bit yesterday about Carolina, and we think they've got the frameworks there. They've got to figure out the quarterback situation. We don't know what's going to happen to quarterback in New Orleans. They're plus 260. Panthers are plus $4, and the Falcons the longest long shot at plus 5. We've got less than a minute to go here, but the, the Buccaneers roster that you just mentioned, Michael, as the shortest favorite at plus 130, I don't like it if, if 12 is not coming back. I would look elsewhere, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would, because that roster was there before 12 was. I mean, a lot of those players were there. Now, they got Fournette, and they made some changes. But I'm with you, and they got so many free agents. They have so many free agents. It's going to be challenging to put it all into one spot. It really you is. Know? And they don't have a ton of cap room to do it. You know, and, it's, and, if you, and look, you can talk about Gabbard and taking all the reps and doing all that stuff. But at some point, you know, when Gabbard got hit quite a bit and he all of a sudden he started looking at that rush, it wasn't pretty. No, it was not pretty at all. All right, Mike, we're going to uh, talk a little basketball. We come back with Steve Mackin. Come on back. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming. Daily best bet emails and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, on every key team, conference, and player to watch from the favorites down to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VEASAN through April 5th, for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash madness. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi on the Lombardi line. I cannot believe it is officially March. And Steve Mackinnon, of course, does a great job. Michael, as you know, Point Spread Weekly editor with his numbers. And as now, it's March, and we got the tournament right around the corner. Steve's done a really incredible job this week of breaking down the conference tournaments. Hey, Steve, welcome uh, back to the program today. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you highlight in this week's uh, article because you say when conference tournament teams have a bye and they are believed to be the favorite team, and I know we all love Cinderella, but really numerically here, there is value in some of those teams that, that are rested in these conference tournaments, correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct, Dave. Uh, very key. I mean, this is if you're not going to bet anything uh, just blindly, what you want to do is just go with the favorites. If you're playing a team that's uh, that played the day before, uh, the team on the bye hits 54 percent in these conference tournaments. So if, if you're going by nothing else, that's a good place to start. So, Steve, do you think uh, I want to before we talk tournament, I was I've been thinking of you all week when Kentucky played Arkansas on Saturday. The next day, uh, in some power rankings, Arkansas didn't move up at all. And Kentucky did. Can you explain how you go through your process of power rankings? Because I was a little confused with that. Oh, where did you see that, Michael? That's interesting. Ken Palm, Ken Palm literally has now they have Kentucky four today. Baylor's number two, Arizona's three, and Kentucky went to four, even though they just beat, even though they beat Mississippi last night. You know, like and and so like I'm confused. And and Arkansas moved back up to 19. They were 20th. Connecticut's now at 20th. They play 18. They play LSU tonight, but LSU's the 18th ranked team according to Ken Palm. Well, that's interesting, Michael, because obviously what happened last Saturday is kind of an anomaly in the in the college basketball, uh, I guess, world. Uh, you get the top six teams all losing. How the degree to which they lose could affect where a team goes up or down in those ratings. Now, the way I do mine specifically, it's just that game. So how how Kentucky fared against Arkansas and how Arkansas fared against Kentucky that day is how I will adjust my ratings. Now, if I let's say I move uh, on my effective strength ratings, let's say Kentucky goes up point or goes down point four points, the team above them went down point six points, but that made Kentucky uh, bypass them. Hey, that that's just how it goes. It was a strange day Saturday oh. uh, with all the big teams losing. So uh, how how the polls reacted, how the power ratings reacted, might be reflective of that. Yeah, the top six teams all lost outright on Saturday. Of course, Duke was the first. Uh, seeded team, if you will, top 10 team to hold serve that day when they blew out my Syracuse Orange up there in the Carrier Dome. Wasn't very happy to see that result. Let's stay in the ACC, uh, gentlemen, here. And, Stephen, when I look at this, and in round two, ACC tournament favorites on a surge of 14-6 and six straight up and an ATS 70% since 17. But here's the thing that caught my eye. Outright winners, 20-0 and 0 ATS 
in that set of games. So when we get to that second round of the ACC, my goodness, those teams are covering. I mean, I'm I, 20 and 0. That is quite astounding. Yeah, no, that uh, goes to show you might want to uh, if, if you have an inkling about an underdog possibly covering a game, you might as well go for it. Go for the win here. Go for the money line. 20 straight, uh, like as you said in uh, ACC round two. So uh, got some history behind you. Yeah, I just wonder very quickly too. How do you how do you account? I, I guess it kind of goes to Michael's question too. When you look at the end of the regular season, then we get into the tournament play. Is there a way to factor in the "quote unquote" schools that need it in order to get into the NCAA tournament versus the teams that they already know win, lose, or draw are going to be in the big dance? Yeah, I tell you what, the uh, odds makers will factor that in for you. I I, I don't like to play that angle personally because. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to play for. Uh, and a lot of times the, the teams get into these must-win situations because they're not that great of a team. They're not an elite team, and that's how you get in a must-win situation. How much time do you – when you do your office pool, and I know you, you, uh, you wrote – Aaron Moore wrote about it in the guide this week. Uh, you know, everybody loves their office pool. When, when, you're, when you're trying to do your office pool and you're figuring it out, because I'm sure you've got some there – do you go by your power rankings or do you go by feel or how do you figure it out? Because all you got to do is pick the winner and you know there's going to be all these upsets. If you just keep going with the winner, you're going to lose your pool the first week. It's going to be a disaster. <laughs> well, I go upon a, upon a lot of different things. Now, there's, all of this, what I'm going to say here is going to be in our March uh, betting, our March Madness betting guy here. So uh, definitely something that customers going to want to pick up. But there's several different things I'll use. I'll use the uh, the shared characteristics uh, analysis that I like to use, looking at teams that got recently got upset in in past tournaments. What characteristics do they share with teams now? Uh, what teams uh, that pull the upset? What do they? What kind of characteristics do they share with the teams in this year's tournament? That's one thing. All the different rating sets I have. If if any of them show any unusual. Uh, marks against where the where the point spreads are set. I'll, I'll take that into account, and then I'll look at some of the past history of, of how these uh, how each of the conference teams tend to do against one another or in different roles in the tournament. So there's a lot that will go into my own uh, bracket setting, but uh, uh, again, it's going to all be in our guides in the coming weeks, and uh, can't miss material basically. Talking to our Point Spread Weekly editor, Steve Mackinnon. Follow him on Twitter as I do, at Steve Mackinnon. Steve, I saw this in my old conference, the CAA. VCU used to be in the Colonial Athletic back in the day. Now they moved on to, to greener pastures. But this note was very interesting that you had this week. In tight line scenarios, uh, in the last seven years of the CAA tournament, there have been 18 favorites of 2.5 to 3.5 points. And those teams boast a perfect 18-0 straight-up record and 17-0-1 ATS. Steve, if I see a small, tight line in the CAA, I mean, I, I think I have to follow that trend. Okay, so this is an interesting trend in one, one regard here. If you look at the 2.5 to 3.5 point spread, that is basically telling the odds makers are telling you one team's a little better than the other. Now, you get a situation like that where you're in a tournament that you – Tournaments are must-win to advance. Right. So that when you go to that two and a half to three point, that's a one possession type of game. If the team's down, they're fouling. A lot of that probably contributes 
to why you end up seeing these games go over that three or three and a half point number. I've got one more question for you guys, if you don't mind here. I want to go out to the to the West Coast Conference, where, of course, Gonzaga uh, reigns supreme. The quarterfinal underdogs boast a record, Steve, 14-6-2 ATS since 2015. The WCC favorites in the semis and championship rounds, 16-8, and eight, almost 67%. We're assuming the Zags, well, we know, they're going to be favored in those rounds. So should people not shy away necessarily when they see those those bigger favorites in the WCC? Yeah, I think this tendency is quite obvious here. So you talk about the quarterfinal round underdogs doing well, uh, 70%. You talk about the semifinal and championship round favorites doing well. Now, the way the WCC sets up their brackets, they give the, the top teams that buy all the way up into the semifinal round. So you figure that the semifinal and championship round, those are the best teams in the conference. And we all know that... Uh, that they're the best teams in that conference have dominated. I mean, basically, it's been mm -hmm. 20 years 20 years of it. So it makes sense. Now, where you see your underdogs in that tournament or win in that tournament is in the earlier rounds. So keep that in mind as you bet this tournament. Don't force an underdog late. If you're going to play an underdog, play them early. Very quickly, gentlemen. Steve, go ahead. Uh, sorry, Michael. I was going to ask you, Steve, what, do you have the big, the, the big 12 as your best conference followed by the Southeast Conference? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of debatable at this point because if you're talking about the number of good teams, you got to throw the Big Ten in there too, obviously. Now, uh, yeah. I think the only the only one of them that only one of the major conferences that year this year that we consider down is the ACC. I think the other other ones are in a, kind of a, a fight for who's best. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. The ACC certainly is down. I only have about 30 seconds to go here, but I did want to ask about the Ohio Valley Conference because if you're looking for underdogs, title game underdogs, my goodness, 10-1 and ATS, almost 91%, Steve. So if you're looking for a dog, that's the conference to find it? Yes, like sir. It. And uh, quite the opposite in the Missouri Valley. Favorites, nine straight covers. So okay. Favorites, Missouri Valley, underdogs, Ohio Valley. Love it. Michael, I circle all this stuff, and then I, I cannot wait for these conference tournaments. Hey, Steve, always appreciate the time and the information. Thank Again, you, Steve. follow him on Twitter, at Steve Mackinan. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Knicks and the Sixers. Oh, Michael Lombardi's back in the uh -oh. Sixers. Every time he gets, tries to get out, they drag him back in. Come on back. Yep. It's Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. MGM welcomes you with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game, and if either team hits a three-pointer, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets. Just use the bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your very first wager. Plus, you're going to earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for online bonuses or converted into comps at over 20 MGM resorts nationwide. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code VEASAN200 to win 200 bucks in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi 
or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi, the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. Let's talk more about the NBA. And, Michael, it's a weird thing for yours truly. I am more of a college guy. I went to VCU, but I'm a big Syracuse guy from my days in upstate New York. NBA, I kind of always followed the team that had the biggest Syracuse stars, right? So, like, Derek Coleman <laughs> or Ronnie Cycli. I'd kind of root for those teams. You are a Sixer guy, and I just by following you on social media, I see the angst that you have with this franchise. And it's been a long time since Dr. J or Allen Iverson walked through that door. Are you back in now? Are, are you all in now that they got the bearded one there and so far so good? Well, you know, I, I, I never was part. I never bought into the process. I never really did because I thought <laughs> it was a, a anti-culture. And there was no establishment of winning. I think if you look at what Sam Presti's doing with the Thunder, they're trying to win, but they're tearing their team down. And they're not creating bad habits, which I think the process really did. It mm-hmm. created spoiled uh, players like Ben Simmons and, and to a degree Embiid. But I think what Embiid has done this year is change. And, and he's become uh, much uh, more of a complete player working hard in shape. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm all back in. I, I, I was saying to Berman, you know, I, I think a lot of it is I love the, I love the idea of building a team and seeing how you can repair a team. And and certainly I think the Sixers have come a long way. And this Maxi kid kind of got me going again, which, mm-hmm. I, which I thought was great. I mean, his enthusiasm, as Doc Rivers said, he's the happiest kid on the, in the planet. <laughs> and he plays like it. And that enthusiasm is what people really want to see. So, yeah, I'm back in. And, and I thought that last two games, I thought Harden was sensational. I thought he was really good. He made players around him better, which is ultimately what great players have to do. Well, you see the numbers, and they've been sensational since he came over. Really, you'll get the rebounds and the assists, right? Almost averaging a triple-double. I know it's two games. Ten-and-a-half-point favorites today with a total of 223-and-a-half uh, against the Knicks as they come to the city of your brotherly shove. You know, I look up, and I see that the Sixers here are 7-1 and one to win the title. The, the one interesting caveat from a, from a MVP scenario, because Embiid is still the favorite to win it, and I had my, Tim, my buddy Tim Doyle on last week, and he said the one concern here with Harden coming in and performing so well, does that take away the shine of Embiid if you've got a ticket on MVP? Because, look, it might be better for championship odds here, 7-1, that they might be able to do that. But if you've got a ticket on Embiid, are you worried that Harden would take away the shine of Joel? I think he's making them better. And I, and I think you could see it in the numbers, Dave. I mean, look, the, the, the Philadelphia, uh, their ability to defend in the half court because of Embiid has been good. You know, and I, and I think ultimately he sh- his skill level has shined even brighter. There's a lot of people that said he couldn't play pick and roll with Harden. Mm. And, and we've seen that happen quickly. So, you know, and they, they said the pace of the game wasn't going to be very good with him. And, you know, they're eighth in the league in points per possession. And that's only going to get better. They're sixth in the league in E-field goal. And that's only going to get better because he's going to get more opportunities. So I, I think the MVP of the league clearly is only going to become enhanced with Embiid because of the presence of Hart. He Look, he's made everybody better. The guy that struggled the most. And it was fascinating because the other night against the Knicks on Sunday, he had a plus 25 rating on the court, Tobias Harris. Mm. The best plus-minus ratio of any player. But he didn't play very well in terms of the offensive end. And, and he's kind of had to adapt his game. He's got to be able to, to not sit there and think it through. He's got to be able to pull the trigger. And he's got to shoot. He's got to trust his three-point shot because he's going to get a bunch of them. 
Maxie had no problem. Maxie went right to it. Now, the Knicks are the other problem. Knicks had no size. I mean, they got in so much foul trouble in the game. That's what makes them a little concerning for tonight. You know, playing the home opener for, for really, this will be the home opener for, uh, for Harden. Mm-hmm. And you know the place is going to be alive and electric. So we'll see how it all works. Yeah, laying 10 and a half again against those Knicks tonight. And to that end, the Sixers, by the way, plus 370 to win the Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid is minus 120 to win the MVP. So, I'm he, with, he was minus 140 before Harden showed up. Right. So, and that's what I, I mean. He went down to he went down to 120, and you know, and and so I don't expect this to go any. I I think that he is, and in fairness, and nobody has been more critical of Embiid than I have because mm-hmm. I felt like he was exactly what you don't want in a great player. Which he cheats you. You feel cheated. Like you know he's got this. Olajuwon type skill and athleticism, but you don't see it all the time. And his conditioning, I mean, Doris Burke said it the other day on television, his conditioning has always been problematic. Yet now those things have changed. He's matured. A lot of it, I think, too, is the fact that it's no longer he has to share the spotlight with another process player in, in Simmons. Right. It's now it's his team, and Harden comes in and, and, and accentuates everyone else's positives. So, you know, I, I think, look, the, the, the test is going to be this weekend. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, they go down to Miami, hard place for them to play, and they'll play against a mentally tough team, and we'll find out how much mental toughness they have. It, it is fascinating. Again, at BetMGM, you can still get a plus, a plus price rather on Joel Embiid, a plus 125, other books, minus 120. So shop accordingly, but there at BetMGM, you do get plus money there right now on Embiid. You see the Joker there and Giannis. And I want to go to the Bucks and the Heat tonight in Milwaukee. And again, when I look overall big picture, the Brooklyn Nets right now are the favorites to win the uh, Eastern Conference at plus 250. We talked about the Sixers at plus 370. The defending champs, NBA champs, Milwaukee plus 350, and the team they're playing tonight, plus 475. Michael, it feels like the Bucks and Heat, and the Bucks weighing four tonight, by the way, 226 in the total. It feels like the Bucks and the Heat are the two forgotten teams in the Eastern Conference because all we talk about yeah. is the Nets and Sixers because of that blockbuster trade. Right. But when you really look at this, I mean, you know, Milwaukee, when you look at their numbers and you look and you break down their team in terms of what they've been able to accomplish, they're still fourth in the league in offensive offensive efficiency. They're 11th overall in defense. And Miami is seventh in the league offensively and they're fifth. And they're really doing a good job in the last two weeks. Their defense has picked up. They're third in the league defensively. They have improved over the last two weeks. They're kind of rounding themselves into shape. And last time, Kyle Lowry didn't play the other night and they still were able to win the game. So, look, the Miami's not going to run away. They're mentally tough. They're hard to play down there. I think they're a really good value. I think Boston's a good value. Mm. I said that the other day, and then they lose to the Pacers. <laughs> but, I mean, last night they were, they were back to being who they are, a really good defensive team, and, and they're wings that can score. I mean, they're, they're not – I mean, they're not like people just all of a sudden just dismiss Boston. I mean, they're the number two team in the league defensively. You know, and, and over the last two weeks, they, they have really upped their level of play. Yeah. I look at those top five now when you look at the Eastern Conference. With the Celtics, they're 9-1. to one. Could have got a better number last week, right? All of a sudden, it, and we'll find out how the West shakes out with Chris Paul and his injury. And they got campaigns, got an injury too. So they got point guard issues there in Phoenix. We know who Golden State is, right? We're waiting to see what the, what the Nuggets can be when they get healthy. But all of a sudden, Michael, the top five in the East – 
I mean, this looks like heavyweight matchups, right? So, again, it feels like a yeah. litmus, litmus test game tonight in Milwaukee. Not so much to me for the Bucks, but more for the Heat that if they can go on the road and get a win, plus 160 right now, money line, to win this game. And I know it's still March, and the playoffs feel like they, they take forever to get to. But does this game mean more to Miami tonight than it does Milwaukee? I think it means more to Milwaukee because Milwaukee without their center, can they handle Bam in the low? Mm. Can they handle him? I mean, Milwaukee without Lopez has really struggled. And that when they play against teams with an athletic big guy and Bobby Portis is going to have to guard him, I think that spells trouble. I think Milwaukee isn't the same team. Now, they've got great players, and Middleton, can sh- when he gets hot, they're hard to play. But remember, they're too loved down to the Suns, and mm-hmm. there's always that inconsistency that shows up, and then all of a sudden uh, Giannis takes over and, and he controls the game. So I think, it's a, I think Milwaukee is the one team that looks like Unless they do something, whether it's a, a buyout or, or whatever. I mean, Dragic played well the other night for, for Brooklyn in the loss. I mean, he came off the bench. He played 15 minutes for right. them. So, you know, that added, to my, that added to the Brooklyn's team a little bit. I, I think this is where Milwaukee must be. Sixers are supposedly going to sign DeAndre Jordan once he clears waivers. We'll see if that happens. So, I think there's a move Milwaukee needs to make. Yeah, it is interesting. There's always one more piece to the puzzle before we get to the postseason here in the NBA. You mentioned the Jordan potential signing there. Milwaukee, by the way, 8-1 to one right now to repeat as NBA champion. So, again, the Sun's still the favorite right now, about plus 380 we're seeing market-wise. Uh, Michael, when we come back, I cannot wait to discuss what's going on in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Is he even going to be the quarterback <laughs> in Cleveland next year? We'll discuss when you come back with us. Hour number two, right around the corner, right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. 